Hello and welcome to the Ritz, first of what will hopefully be an annual over-under competition between myself, Eric Grenier, and Philippe J. Fournier of 33acanada.com. In this competition, we will try to predict the politics of 2022. Hey, Philippe, happy holidays. Bonjour, Eric, my friend. It's great to talk to you again. How has uh, 2021 been for you? You know what? Uh, considering the federal election and how it went, uh, the results and the projections, um, I think it was a really great year. Uh, although I have to say in your introduction, you said this was a competition. I'm not sure I was ready for a competition, but all right, let's bring it on. Friendly competition. The, o- the only thing, uh, you know, that we're fighting over are the stakes are the bragging rights. Um, so we actually did this during the federal election. If you remember, we did a little bit of a competition. Not maybe it wasn't a competition. Maybe I'm, I'm overselling what we were what we were doing at the time. But I did go back to see how we actually did. Uh, if you remember, and we I, did. I some- have to say, I don't remember much of this. I remember I said the lines, uh, but I don't. I, did we do well? I, I don't remember. Well, we'll go through it. I'll actually go through it uh, so we can see how we did. So the first one that you did, you set the over and over under for the People's Party of Canada, how many votes they get at a million. And do you remember what you said? I think I said under, but it would be close. Did I say that? Yeah, we both did the under. And in the end, it was 841,000 votes. So we each got a point for that. Uh, Then the next one we did was the over under at one uh, liberal seat in Alberta. And we both took the over and they had two seats, Edmonton Center and Calgary Skyview. So we both got a point for that. And then this one was uh, turned out to be a pretty interesting one. It was 32.5 seats for the Bloc Québécois. (laughs) We both chose the under because I think at the time they weren't doing as well in the polls. Um, And of course, they ended up with 32 seats. So Um, I, I have to say, though, that was a perfect line. It was. I mean, the line was perfect, right? So I, I think I take some uh, consolation in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we did one that was 10.5 Quebec conservative seats. And this was actually the first time that we disagreed. Now, do you know what you said? 10.5, they ended up with 10. I'm pretty sure I said over because I had Trois-Rivières uh, going to the conservatives and they lost it by 100 votes. So you said under, right? I did, I did. So I got the point for, for that you. one. And uh, Good for you. Then we did 9.5 NDP seats in Ontario. And this was again oh one God. where we took different ones. I took the over, you took the under. They only got five seats. So that shows that the yes. line there was a little bit too generous, I think. Yes, yes. I still, but you still took the bait though, but it was, that line was quite high. But then again, the NDP underperforming in Ontario, what else is new? Yeah. And then uh, there was two green seats. I remember we discussed this because usually we put 2.5 or one, that that kind of thing. So we said, what was more likely one seat or three? You took the over, I took the under. In the end, they got two seats. So neither of us uh, got a point for that. And then the last one, which was an interesting one now when you're thinking about things, we said the over-under of how many leaders would resign by the end of the year. And I'll say the end of the oh. year is now. We had 1.5 as the line. We both took the over. And it's not and, been the over. It's been the under. It's only it's, been Annamie Paul. That's it, huh? Well, I think we figured that the conservative leader, if uh, should he lose, we figured either the liberals or the conservatives, if they lose, if they lost, uh, the leader would be gone and uh, it didn't happen. Okay, that's interesting. So in so the we end, we actually, do... we tied. Yeah, we did pretty well. Oh, but we tied. Wow. So yeah, this will be the tiebreaker for the, the year, I guess. We'll figure out, it. we'll find out at the end of the year how we did. So just to lay out the rules, it's very simple. We set a number and a political event or question and have to choose either the over or the under and hopefully... If a meteor doesn't hit the earth, uh, we can return again next year and, and see how we did. And uh, and one of us Very can well. vote and the other person will not. So we're going to do the Ontario uh, uh, provincial election. We're going to do the Quebec election. We're going to do other provincial politics, federal politics, and then uh, sort of a grab bag, random one at the end of this. So we will start with the Ontario election, which is in uh, June. So it's not very far away. Now I'm going to, I'll start and then you can go uh, afterwards for dip, but I'm going to set the first over under for the share of the vote that the Ontario progressive conservatives get. I'm putting the over under at 35.4, which is what Tim Hudak did in 2011. What do you think? 35.4. Um, you know what? Right now, it's a good line. I have to say because a good line means that it's it's hard to pick. Uh, my projection has them at 35 right now. Uh, I'm 
I'm very tempted to go uh, with the over. I know uh, that Doug Ford is getting a lot of criticism from his opponents, but uh, his uh, his aura doesn't seem to have faded much uh, uh, with his pace. Uh, so 35.4, I will go over. What about you? I think I'm going to also take the over. I know that's not a fun way to start, but I think the only <laughs> polls that we've seen so far, that the worst ones have had them at maybe 32, 33. And that feels more like a between election kind of number. And then as the campaign unfolds, they'll go up a little bit. Some of the other, uh, the one of the opposition parties might pick up a bit and the others will probably drop. But I think I'm going to take the over as well. But if they ended up just below 35 uh, and still ended up winning, uh, that wouldn't shock me, I don't think, very much. However, Eric, you would know this more than I, but if we go back in uh, the you know, elections in this century, the Ontario PC has a very high floor, right? It doesn't go under 31 or 32. Am I wrong about this? No, that's exactly right. And it's even the and, same and, thing for the federal conservatives. They haven't gone that yeah. low either. So there is a very narrow band for the PCs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just depends on what the other parties do. That's interesting. Okay, so over, that's over 35. That's good. Yeah. All right. So what do you got? Well, I, it's kind of an over-under. It's, I decided to put a twist on it. I know it's my first one, but uh, it's, it's uh, similar to over-under, but it's true or false and why. Oh, okay. Um, the Ontario Liberal Party becomes the official opposition at Queen's Park after June 2nd. What say you? Oh, boy. Uh... <laughs> well, that's the, that's the reaction I was looking for. Yeah. I mean... The, if you look at where the polls have been, you would say, you would think that the Liberals should end up in second place, uh, but that's a big lift to go from seven seats to at least probably 30, 35. Uh, I think that I'm not sure that the, the numbers I've seen for Stephen Del Duca suggest that he's really going to connect with a lot of people. People don't really know who he is, and of the people who do, they don't generally have a good view of him. So I'm going to say that as the campaign kind of unfolds, the Liberals kind of fall back and the NDP moves forward. Do they beat the PCs? That I don't know. Hopefully that's not a true and false you have later. But so I guess I will say false. They will not form the official opposition. Which oh, but is also, interesting. But also, wait, wait. If they yep. win, do I get still get a point? You get a point because you had false. That's, that's the fun part. If, let's say, the Ontario Liberal Party catches fire and Del Duca ends up being a great a speaker and orator, which he hasn't shown so far, but we never know, right? Maybe he's a great campaigner. And if they win, well, you were right. I will say true. I will say true. I think the uh, the NDP uh, has not, right now, during this pandemic, it's really hard to sell fiscal conservatism because we actually need to pull together to go through this pandemic. And I'll, I'm not saying that conservative politics are bad in the pandemic. It's just that they're much, much harder to sell. Uh, and the NDP has not been able to capitalize on this. I haven't seen one poll since the pandemic began in March 2020 where the NDP has been leading. They're always second or sometimes third. So why would that change uh, during a campaign? I mean, Andrea Horvath did an OK campaign in 2018, but it was more of the liberals collapsing than her rising, I think. It's my interpretation. So um, I say that the liberals, the Ontario liberals finished second. Uh, for the record, it's not part of the, the bet, but I think the PCs will win and the Ontario Liberals will be the official opposition. So I say true. All right. Well, there we go. Our first point of, uh, of uh, contention. Okay. So the next one I'm going to have, uh, I wrote a couple ones just to make sure in case we, uh, we didn't have you know, the same ones, but I'm going to do this one. So the over-under, 2.5 parties that get more than 25% of the vote. Now, this hasn't actually happened in Ontario. I went back since 1977. So while the polls right now are showing the three parties somewhere in the 25 to 35 mark, in all the campaigns since 1977, at least one of the parties ends up falling below 25%. So 2.5. Do you think it'll be all three or will it just be a two-horse race? That's interesting. Do you remember the uh, the popular vote in the uh, Bob Ray election? Uh, Or close to? It was the PCs, I think, dropped down to somewhere in the low 20s. So, oh, really? Uh, huh? Yeah. Wow, so okay. that, that was a bad election for them. But uh, yeah, there was a couple of ones where it was pretty close, 23, 24, the yeah. third place party. But uh, it hasn't, it's been a while since all three. That's a good one, Eric. Uh, so 2.5 parties with at least 25% of the popular vote. 
Well, there was going to be at least two, but the third one, will the Ontario NDP and the Ontario Liberals really split down the middle or will the anti-Ford vote coalesce? But that's the question. I will go, hmm, I will go under. I think only two parties will reach 25%, but I, I could really see a scenario where it's over. Um, it's it, it's going to be three if it's over, of course. But yeah, I will say the under. What about you? I'll just, to be different, I mean, the historical precedent would say it should be the under, but I'll do the over. And the reason I'll say that is that, uh, it, you know, back in 2018, the liberals were really weak under Kathleen Wynne. So it allowed that non-PC vote to coalesce behind the NDP. I think that Stephen Del Duca will run a better campaign than Kathleen Wynne did, but it's still not necessarily good enough that all the NDP is going to go behind him. So uh, that ends up with all three parties somewhere over 25%, which would right. be probably good news for Doug Ford. But yeah. um, if it is a minority government, who knows if Andrew Horvath and Stephen Del Duca will keep Doug Ford in power. So it might not necessarily oh. still end up with a PC win, but we're talking about elections. We're not talking about politics. <laughs> but uh, your first uh, your first line was the the uh, Ontario PC at thirty five percent. If they don't get there, let's say they go, they get to thirty three or thirty four percent. Yeah, I could see an almost three way split in the, in Ontario, which would make those seat projections completely hell to project. Uh, it's going to be that that would be a lot of fun. I mean, Ontario politics has not been very interesting for me uh, for a long time. Maybe it's me, maybe. But uh, since two thousand eighteen, I don't know. There's this this election is going to be compelling. I think. Yeah, numbers, I hope so. I hope so. The compelling yeah. elections wow. are a lot more fun. Ontario politics, yeah, it's usually not usually not the most exciting. It's uh, it's not Quebec, it's not Alberta, but uh, <laughs> well, it'll be the focus in June, that's for sure. All right, Quebec what do you got? could be boring this year, but yeah. Quebec could be very boring this year. But uh, okay, um, all right, uh, there are um, hang on, I have it here. Okay, maybe this one is a bit easy, but uh, I still want to try it. The uh, the Ontario Greens. They have wealth. They should keep wealth unless there's a big surprise. Uh, however, uh, they have now a federal uh, Green uh, MP in Kitchener. And I think the, uh, the Ontario Greens will try to push for it. So I will say this, 1.5 is the line for the number of green, uh, green, uh, in Ontario, Greens in Ontario in this election. What say you? I'll take the under. I think that uh, I think it's going to be tough for them to win Kitchener Center. I think the only reason they won Kitchener Center, Mike Morris seems to be, you know, a very lovely guy. But I, I think that the the only reason they won is because the Liberal candidate dropped out. Uh, the campaign was such a disaster that I don't see how they would have won that seat. So I'm going to say that the Greens, the Ontario Greens, get reelected in Guelph. But I have a lot of trouble seeing them winning a second seat. Maybe they finish second and then they can build on that next time. But uh, I don't think they win it this time. Hmm. I agree. No, I thought I could, I could catch you there on a, on a, okay. Yeah, I agree. I think one seat, but uh, the, I mean, the greens cannot have a worse year next year than it was this year. Uh, they can only go up. I think maybe I'm naive, but uh, I think with a new federal leader, perhaps, uh, perhaps a renewed, uh, you know, a campaign that could help the greens, but I will also say that they will only win one. So I'll take the under. All right. Well, then that's it for Ontario politics, unless you have a really good one that you want to also do. But uh, you think the uh, the pieces will win? I, I think, uh, you know, there hasn't been the last there's only been three single term governments in Ontario. There was the first one. There was the United Farmers after the First World War. And there was Bob Ray. Oh, <laughs> um, so since pretty much the last hundred years, the only single term government was the NDP in 1990-95. So I, I think the, the PCs probably get their second go, especially with the Liberals being in office in Ottawa. There's that, um, you know, back and forth. Alternate that colors, huh? Yeah. 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 So uh, I think that they probably still win, but I think they, but the thing is, uh, like I said before, I don't know if they get reduced to a minority and then I don't know what happens. Um, if I, the, uh, yeah, if the, the PCs fail to get a majority, let's say they win 55 seats then it's going to be a, a game of strategy between the Liberals and the NDP saying who's going who's gonna to blink first. Because as you know, there's a lot of animosity between those two parties. Yet, will they dislike Doug Ford enough to unseat him and try to have a coalition? 
coalitions are always a risky business. Uh, so um, I, yeah, I have the PCs winning because you know if the pandemic and if the handling of the pandemic has not sunk them yet, uh, nothing this spring will. Uh, but uh, again, perhaps I'll be wrong. We are you and I are numbers people, so uh, we focus on the numbers. But sometimes. You, you know, I you look at the trends and you go like, hey, what will be what what will be able to beat the PCs? I'm not sure. So okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, and if we just go back in the history for uh, Ontario, you know, the Liberals got five years in government with the support of the NDP, not for the entire time, but for the first go between '85 and '90, and then the NDP was able to turn that into a big win in 1990. So, you know, maybe they have the same thinking that whoever gets in will get a chance next time, but. Generally, the junior partner in a coalition does not do very well. So, all right, <laughs> yep. let's move on Absolutely. to Quebec. So, Quebec is in October, and the latest polls do show that it's really going to be hard for the CAQ to lose this thing. But that doesn't mean there's still going to be a lot at stake, at least for the other parties, some of them for maybe their survival. Uh, so, for the since um, you know you're in Quebec, I'm in Ottawa. Why don't you start with uh, the first over under for Quebec? Let's be realistic here. The CAQ, if let's say in a year, the CAQ is not in power, it will have been one of the greatest collapse in Canadian history. I mean, we haven't seen a party dominate that much for so long during a first mandate and then let it slip away. So there's very little doubt in my mind that the CAQ will win. So let's focus on the other parties. Although, although I have one for the CAQ, but I'll keep it for the end. Okay, so the latest projection that I have has the Liberals at 17 seats, Quebec Solidaire at eight seats, and the Parti Québécois at three, three seats only. Uh, so, but the Parti Québécois is resilient. They have a lot of members. Uh, you know, they're, they're still sitting on a very strong base of sovereigntist uh, Quebecers, about maybe a, between a quarter and a third of Quebecers say they're sovereigntist. And so I will set the line at the number of PQ seats in the election, and the line may be a bit low, but uh, I will set it at 5.5. 5.5 seats for the Parti Québécois. They have uh, nine right now. They won 10 in the uh, last election. They lost one, uh, became an independent. Uh, so what say you at 5.5 seats for the Parti Québécois? That seems like a, that's a tough one. Um, so... Okay, look, they can win the seats that they have in the Gaspé. Uh, they have Gaspé, Matan, Matapedia, uh, Ile Madeleine. Maybe they can win Bonaventure. They have uh, a new candidate uh, there that they seem excited about. Um, and then there's the seats in the Côte d'Or. Maybe they can win. But that to get to six, you know, I don't know. That seems complicated. They need to hold the the seat or two that they won in. Uh, you know, they need to they need to win Joliet again. They would need to win uh, Marie Victorin. We'll see if they even hold it in the by election. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the oh. under. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be one or two seats, but I do yeah. think they're going to struggle here because the CQ is just gobbling up their vote. And I think that they, you know, the first passport system is pretty pretty cruel. Maybe they end up at three or four, maybe five, but I'm going to take the under. There was a poll in October uh, that had the PQ at 11%, and I think the CAQ was at 49 And when you had the complete breakdown in the, the, the by region and by age, you could see that really the CAQ was eating up former PQ votes. And so uh, the projection that I had was one seat, and that was Matan Matepedia, Pascal Berube, a very popular local MP. Uh, but it's gone a bit soft, and of course the CAQ had a tough uh, fall. They had a lot of criticism, and they... They seemed arrogant, you know, and Quebecers do not like that usually. I think voters in general do not like that. And so right now I have three seats on average for the, the, the Parti Québécois, but they did um, bring in some very interesting candidates. Uh, and so the seats that you mentioned, the Côte-Nord, the Gaspé, Joliette, if Véronique Yvon stays, they will win Joliette. And so will they get past 5.5, so at least six? It's going to be close, but to be different with you, I will say, I will take the over on this. Uh, and I'll say, and I'll add something. I think um, the leader of the Parti Québécois will try a very ballsy move and go into Tachereau in Quebec City mm. to try to unseat Catherine Dorion of Quebec Solidaire. Uh, so I will add a cherry on top of that prediction. So I say over. Okay, 4. great. I did have a PQ on. I don't want this to, uh, just as a quick one. 1. Okay. 1.5 seats for the PQ, south and east of Quebec City. <laughs> Sorry, south and west. South and west. South and west. Yeah. 
can they win a, you know, you said uh, Veronique Yvonne, she yeah. could win Joliette. Could they even yeah. win a second seat outside of, you know, the Gaspé and the Côte Nord and the Saguenay? That's a very good one. I like these ones. I, I think they'll win Joliette if Veronique Yvonne stays, which is, she hasn't announced yet. And she could very well do something else with her life if she decided, decided to. Uh, so Joliette would be one. I don't think they'll win Marie-Victorin. Um, uh, they're out of Montreal, uh, townships, Oudaway, Trois-Rivières. No, I'll, so I'll say the under. I'll say they only win one. Okay. I'll, I have to also take the under. If I just took the under with the 5.5, I, I can't see them winning. <laughs> so that wouldn't be consistent. Okay. So let's do uh, one for the CAQ now. Um, okay. So I've got one. 3.5 seats for the CAQ on the island of Montreal. Over. Right away. No, no hesitation for me. You know, I like to say, hmm, I think this, I think that, maybe, perhaps, oh, I'll go with, no, over, right away. They have two seats in Montreal right now on the island of Montreal. For those listening who don't know, that Montreal has 27 provincial seats. The CAQ won two, including one very close one last election. Uh, I think they will win as much as five or six on the island of Montreal. Verdun, Anjou, Maurice Richard, they'll be competitive in Marquette. So uh, I'll, an easy over for me. Okay. All right. I thought I was being, uh, I didn't Did want... you say 3.5? I is did. That, is that yeah. 3.5? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's an easy line for me. I'll, I'll say the over. Okay. What do you All say? Right. Do, you, do you think under? Well, I think they pick up at least a third. Um, but I wonder if, I wonder if they hit a, they hit a limit that the, you know, the Franco vote on the Island of Montreal is, is too progressive to go to the CAQ and, uh, you know, maybe the liberals, the fact that they're going to the left, maybe it helps them too. Maybe it splits it too much. I don't know. Um, but uh, but now I feel like my line was too low, so I don't know if I want to take the under. But, okay, uh, so let's let's uh, we there's only two of us in this game, so we can do whatever we want. Let's move the line to four point five. How you feel now? There, I would be a bit more comfortable with the under. I think uh, I think making a huge breakthrough in the island of Montreal is going to be tough. Uh, I don't think winning a few extra seats is that is out of the realms of, of, you know, I think they will, but yeah, I don't know if they're going to do as well as the, as mm. maybe they could. So if it is 4.5, let's move it up to 4.5. I'm going to take the under. And I'll still take the over. That's a, that'll be a fun one because there are some very close races uh, and uh, uh, you know, it depends also where the Parti Québécois vote goes, because I've seen, on the other Montreal, I've seen single digits for the PQ, and those votes are not going to the Liberals. Um, perhaps some of it will be absorbed by Quebec Solidaire, although Quebec Solidaire, you know, they, they talk a big game, but they haven't grown their support since the election. Uh, so uh, we'll see. But I'll take the over. This is so 4.5. This is a good line. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. All right. What, uh, what do you got next? Let's go with the CAQ. We have to talk about them. They're going to form government for the next decade anyway. So. Um... <laughs> <laughs> over under on how many decades? Yeah. <laughs> well, that could be a fun one. A over under on the number of uh, of elections they win in a row. Uh, but uh, no, that's that's all right. So I had projections that go as high as a hundred seats for the CAQ, but that's I mean everything would have to go right and every for them, and everything would have to go wrong for the opposition parties, which could happen. But I think that if I put a, the line at one hundred seats, uh, it would be an easy under for both of us. So I'll try to make it harder. Uh, even 90 seats is really hard to get. Jean Charest didn't do it. Uh, the PQ government never did it. Uh, so I'll put the line of the CAQ seats at 93.5, which I think makes it a bit harder. 93.5 seats for the CAQ out of 125, of course, in the National Assembly. Um, what do you think? I think for that one, I will take the under. Um, I do, you know, I, I see the polls. I see the fact that the CQ has 50 plus percent support among Francophones and that they're not even doing that poorly among non-Francophones. So, you know, it, it helps them in some areas. Um, but I feel like a campaign will have things tighten a little bit um, and that the CQ is going to make gains, but it won't be as big of a win as we think. Maybe the debate doesn't go that well. Who knows? Um, I can see them getting 87, 88, that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm going to, for 93.5, I'll take the under. That's interesting. Okay, so I didn't put it low enough. But okay, let's say they win 90 seats. That means the other parties win 35, if my math is correct. 
uh, how do you get the liberals, Quebec Solidaire and PQ at 35 together? I, uh, I mean, the liberals will have to, you know, to outperform. They will have to go back to the ballot box bonus that the liberals always had, but there's no referendum. There's no threat of separation. Uh, so 93.5, I will go over. I say the CEQ does over. They have an amazing machine that is unrivaled in Quebec, the get-out-the-vote machine. Um, they have the, 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 the best organization. And uh, even with everything that's happened in the past year and a half, they haven't, no, nobody has been able to crack that foundation. Uh, Dominique Andlad, uh, it's not working. Paul uh, Saint-Clair-Pamadon could be working, but we're still talking about a handful of seats. And Quebec Solidaire, again, they, they talk a big game, but outside of the urban centers, I don't see them growing. So I will take the over 19.5 for the CEQ. All right. Okay. Um, here, let me do... Um, I, uh... Based on what you said, like, I think I know what you would say to some of these, but I'm going to do this one for the liberals. They are the official opposition. Right. Let's give the, yep. and they are second in the polls. So I'm going to put the over under at 19.5 seats. Oh, whoa, that's a tough one. And they haven't been below 20 since 1948. So it has been, they have a solid, solid base it's that non-Francophone vote in some other parts of the province. Um, you know, I know that your latest projection has them somewhere south of 20, but not by much. And they their ceiling yeah. is a lot higher. Yeah, um, that's true. So what do you think? Do they end up below 20 <laughs> and really have an awful result for them? 19.5. Uh, that's a good line. My goodness. It's not an easy line. Uh, OK, so they will at least lose half of Laval. They could lose five or six in Laval. They will have Pontiac. Uh, the western half of Montreal. Brassard, since uh, Dr. Barrett is leaving, he's not really appreciated by the Quebec electorate. He's leaving, so right there they have a few bonus points. Uh, 19.5. I, I, I really want to say the under, but I don't think I can. It's too, it's, too, it's too good a line. I will slay a slight over, and I know a slight over, a big over in this game doesn't matter. I will slay a slight over uh, for the Liberals. What do you think? I will also take the over. I thought maybe I would trap you because of some of your, your recent <laughs> You almost did. You almost did. You almost did. But I think that I think that when there's a campaign on, I think that, you know, a lot of that uh, Anglophone vote, like right now they're at like 57% yeah. or something. Like yeah. I think they'll end up back at 70. And so some of those seats on the island that maybe are, you know, on the bubble, those ones that are maybe 50-50 Anglo and Francophone, like maybe they, they can win those a lot easier than we think. And so they end up, yeah, somewhere in the low 20s. Uh, but yeah, I, I unless they somehow, you know, something happens, it, it seems hard for them to to uh, to get anywhere beyond uh, beyond that. But I'll say this, the, the shy liberal vote that we talked about for all the 90s and 80s and the, low, uh, the early 2000s, uh, due to the referendum effect, the fact that there were some Quebecers that were nationalist, but Federalists also, they were afraid to tell them to tell the posters that they uh, they vote liberals. This could come back at some point because there are a lot of Quebecers that are against Bill 21, for instance. I don't want to get into this, but there are a lot of Quebecers that are against Bill 21. Will they go to the liberals? Uh, it's possible. And perhaps they're missing a point or two. And what you said about the non-Francophone vote. Well, right now, the latest Leger had the CAQ dominating the Francophone vote more by a greater margin than the liberals dominating the non-Francophone vote, which is completely unheard. So that's that's why I'm going over. Uh, but it's still gonna it's it still should be a disastrous result for the liberals. So let's let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, the, in 2018, I think one of the re reasons they underperformed the polls uh, was in part that the turnout in the uh, predominantly Anglophone parts of the province was lower. So it just meant that their vote. But I feel like in this election that it might be easier for Anglophones to feel motivated to go out than in 2018. Um, I just think that the dynamics, particularly with the identity issues, maybe it does galvanize Anglophone votes to actually go out. And so while that doesn't maybe win them extra seats, it means maybe they won't underperform their polls as much as they did back in 2018. If I can add a parenthesis to this, Eric, let's say, Let's say I, I this not this will not count. This is an exhibition. But let's say I put the line at twenty five seats. Then what would you say? Then I'd probably take the under. Yeah, I think that the okay. twenty to twenty five is where okay. I, I see them. Okay, good. All right. That's um, not what that's not what they think. They think they could win in the election. I, 
Well, everybody thinks they can win an election. Um, (laughs) That's true. (laughs) At least publicly. Um, Okay, so um, do you have another one that you really want to use or do you want to move on to the next? Well, let's, uh, why is not to, a quick one on Quebec Solidaire? Um, they won 10 seats. Uh, they were competitive in exactly 10 of them. They won everywhere they, they could win. Uh, I mean, I've had some arguments with some activist students. I wrote this in my column for McLean's uh, uh, activist students for Quebec Solidaire told me Quebec Solidaire is going to be the official opposition. They're going to win 20 to 25 seats. And my answer was like, really? Okay, let's look at the list and tell me where they win. And they drew blanks. They they, they could not uh, they could not identify those wins. So Philip, they're children. You, Why are you doing this to them? They're not children. They're young adults. I teach in college, my friend. They're young adults. They will vote. Uh, they were born in two thousand three. You know. So oh jeez. <laughs> okay. But okay. So let's a, a quick line. If I say Quebec Solidaire, eight point five seats. What do you say? I'm gonna. I, okay. So I'm gonna take us back to twenty eighteen. We did a podcast before the yeah. election. And I said, I had Quebec Solidaire at 10 seats. And you yep. said I was crazy. Uh, you, well, I didn't, I didn't use those words, but yes, I thought you, that was you were, Yeah, you scoffed. And <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like during a campaign, there's a good chance that uh, the Francophone vote for the Liberals completely tanks. Um, the PQ doesn't do that well. And, you know, Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois, perhaps he has a really good debate, something like that. And people say, ah, let's get, let's get behind him. And so they end up doing pretty well and may, and they win 12, 13 seats. Um, uh, I know it's hard to find them, but I mean, you know, Ray Naranda was hard to find in 2018 That's and they true. managed that. Um, but you did, not only did you say 10, but you identified Ray Naranda back then. I was, I was really impressed. Yes. Thank you. So anyway, I will take, <laughs> I would take the over. I would take the over in 8.5. I'll take the under. Uh, I, I say they lose one in Quebec City, they'll lose one Aranda, and they, they won't win anything else. So that's eight. Uh, so, but again, Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois could be very good in the debate. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if he's really good in the debate. I know he, he irritates uh, Premier Legault very much, and it shows in the body language. Uh, so it's possible. Uh, it's not a crazy suggestion, but I'll still take the under. Okay. And I know that we said this is a boring election because it'll be, but I find there's still lots. So I do want to use one more. Okay. Uh, The conservatives, 4.5% over under on that. I think Zem's conservative party, 4.5%. What did Maxime Bigny do in Quebec? Was it 2.5? It wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't good. Yeah. It was the, it was Um, the worst in the, in the, of all the provinces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eric Duhem is uh, a much more effective communicator than, I, uh, than Maxime Bernier. Uh, he has a strong following in Quebec City and in Chaudière-Appalaches-Lévis in that area. They listen to Radio X. Uh, they're uh, you know, pro-Trump and everything. Um, anti-vaxxers. It's a good line. I'm tempted to say, and yeah, no, I'll say over. I'll say over. I think I think five percent is a, is a reasonable reasonable outcome for them. Uh, what do you say? You know, I think I would have taken the over because it seems like a low, for for people on that side, it might be a very low stakes kind of thing. If everyone thinks the CQ is going to win, then it you know there won't be there does seem to have been a little bit of a bleed of the PPC vote to the Conservatives in the in the, in the end of the campaign. Not a huge one, yeah. but a little one. So I yeah. I don't think that dynamic is going to play out. But I think that maybe that that vote is, is, is a lot smaller in Quebec. So I'm going to take the under, but I, I okay. think that they could still get pretty close to that. Um, and, uh, and Hey, maybe that is what saves Quebec Solidaire in Quebec city. So there you go. <laughs> it's a good line. 4.5 is a good line. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to uh, provincial politics outside of the ones that are holding elections or at least scheduled to hold elections. Um, so I will start with uh, going right, to go Alberta. Ahead. Okay. Kenny's leadership review, which is going to be taking place on April 9th. What does he get? I'm going to set the bar at 76.5. Now I'm setting it at 76.5 for a reason. The the number for uh, conservative leaders in Alberta is generally around 77. That's what Alison Redford got. It's what uh, Ed Stalmach got. And they both of them only kind of limped along for a little while after that and then had to resign. Um, so I'm going to put the bar at 76.5 for Jason Kenney. He's holding the event in Red Deer. You got to travel there. There's a fee. You got to be in person. 
Uh, you got to be really determined to go out to vote. So what do you think? It's a delegated convention. You have to be there. Oh, it's in person. Yeah, it's not online. Really, really. Got to huh. plunk down hundred bucks. <laughs> I mean, his numbers have not gotten any better. Uh, Brian Jean just won the nomination uh, for uh, Fort McMurray. Uh, so it's it's very tempted, very tempting. I'm sorry to, to say the under. Um, yeah, I'll take the under. I'll take the under. I think I think Kenny's in trouble. Uh, I don't think the UCP or the conservative movement is in trouble necessarily. We'll talk about this later if you want. But um, I'll take the under. What about you? I'll take the over. I think that he'll be able to. Uh, make sure that his people get out there. Uh, you know, they had their AGM recently and it didn't go as badly for him as, as people thought it could. So he knows how to fill a room with his supporters. Um, but, you know, if he ends up with 79, 80, I'm not sure if that means his problems are over. But I'm going to say that he takes the over and tries to hold on for as long as he as he possibly can. That's Alberta is getting has gotten so much interesting over the past few years, right? I mean, I, I know they had the the what the forty five years dynasty, forty four years, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so of course that's kind of boring uh, year after year to have always the same party the, and easy to win elections. Uh, but the the rural urban split in Alberta is so interesting. Um, it, the projections that I have right now, and I'm I'm sure you concur because I follow the data, but has the NDP as overwhelmingly favorite, but my feeling is that it's going to be close. I mean, I, I don't see the, the the conservatives earning like 30% of the vote like we've seen some polls show. I do, I just think that many conservatives are very disappointed with the uh, UCP and so they don't answer polls. But um, my uh, it's funny because I know the answer. I had a, a over-under. How many provincial elections in Canada this, in 2022? Uh, we know there's going to be Ontario and Quebec unless there's a revolution, uh, maybe a coup. Uh, I set the line at 2.5 because I figured, you know what, if, you know, there were rumors that Kenny could, you know, say, all right, I'll, we'll go into an election instead of me losing the leadership. I know it's too much. It, this uh, hypothesis is too much fun to be actually true. It won't happen because it would be too much fun. But 2.5 uh, provincial elections this year in Canada, what say you? I'll take the under. I, yeah, me too. <laughs> I have a hard time seeing any of the other ones because there are no minority governments, I don't think, right now. Um, PI, but it's not. It's not uh, no, PI is now a majority. They won it in a... Oh, it's true. Right, they got right, an extra right. seat in a by-election. But um, yeah, so I don't see any of them happening. I mean, the one thing could happen, and this is only... I think it's only in Newfoundland and Labrador, but it might be elsewhere. And let's just say it's, it would be a horrible thing. But if Andrew Fury something happened and he passed away, something like that. Newfoundland does require that a new premier is named within six months um, or that an election is held within six months yeah, of a new premier. Right. So right. I, that could be a possibility, but you know, that's just I, an awful thing that I don't want to think about. And yeah. I don't know if any other province has that. I think they might be the only one. Uh, so if it had been more, you can say, well, one of them might have a health scare and resign and, you know, there could be something, but yeah, I, I I don't see where the other, where the third one would be. Hmm. And Manitoba is uh, 2023. Um, I suppose one yeah, of them no, could go I, early. That's actually a good point, yeah. right? Because Pallister yeah. did go early in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a possibility too. I hadn't thought about that. The I polls played in his favor in 2019, where, and the polls do not seem to be uh, favoring the, the Manitoba PC right now. So, uh, I uh, yeah, I, but the only option really I thought maybe if if Kenny seen, uh, feels like he could lose the leadership, he say I'm I'm going to take the nuclear option and go into an election. Uh, but it, again, it would be so much fun. But anyway, all right, yeah. I'll take the under too. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, well, here I'll do one more on this one. Um, unless you have a one that you'd like to do, but I have 1.5 provincial premiers who will resign or be defeated by the end of the year, by the next time we record oh. this, if we record this in a year's time. So 1.5. Wow. Resign or be defeated. Yeah. Wow, that's a good one. The Atlantic Canada seems to be set, unless there's a big event uh, that can be unforeseen. Uh, Legault's going to win. I mean, to, to reach two, you need four to lose, and then a resignation. <laughs> and I don't think Ford will lose. So... That's a good one. I, I will have to go 
Uh, Pastor's gone. Uh, Mo's not going anywhere. Horgan is a, is a majority. Uh, we're not talking talking to territories here, right? No, oh, yeah, provincial um, premiers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, this is a good line. I would, I will go with the under. Uh, but you know, if Ford loses and you have one resignation, it's it's not that far fetched. But I will go with the under. Okay, I'll take the over just to play the odds that one oh. of the other nine premiers will resign for personal reasons or wants to retire, that kind of thing. Blaine Higgs is, is not that popular right now. You know, he's not, he's not a particularly young man. There's some other premiers like that. Horgan recently had uh, surgery um, uh, yeah. related yeah. to cancer. So, you know, there's always those kinds of things. Again, not nice things to think about, but if we're just playing the odds, I'll say, I'll take the over. But it does actually require that probably Ford would be defeated, uh, which I don't think is going to happen, but... But let's do it just for fun. All right. Do you have another one? Do you want to move on to federal? Uh, let's move on to federal. Okay, I you have, go first. I have a good one. Well, I have an easy one, but I think it's a fun one to talk about. Uh, it's like the over-under, true, false, and why. True or false, and why. Uh, a year from now, Erin O'Toole is still the leader of the Conservative Party. True or false, and why. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. I think that the there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of passive inertia, or, you know, momentum, or the, you know, the opposite of momentum um, when you're the incumbent. And I feel that while he does have a lot of things going badly for him, and it feels like more than Andrew Scheer, it does feel, though, that he is also he he's he's fighting harder than Scheer did. And he does seem to have allies within the party that want him to go uh, to stay, which I don't think Andrew Scheer had. You know, I think the no. Quebec wing wants him to stay. Uh, the more moderate wing wants him to stay. Um, so I think that he can hang on. There's a leadership review in 2023, and maybe that causes problems, but I think he hangs on for the year. Um, though I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's 80-20, maybe I'm saying 60-40, but yeah. I think he stays. I think he, uh, so I'll say true True. if it was he's still the leader. Yeah. And yeah. True. Um. Well, it's, it's, it's strange to look back at the, uh, the dates, but Andrew, Andrew Scheer did resign very quickly. It was, uh, I think it was early December that he left. Yeah, it was around the election now. Was, yeah, so, uh, so that's, you know, when you look at it, like, it felt like it was longer. So, uh, you know, Aaron O'Toole has already lasted longer than Andrew Scheer post-election. Um, I think, he, well, I think he should stay uh, because I don't think this election was lost because of him, but that's, that's, be, that's not the mandate here. Uh, I, I'm tempted to say true, but let's say that uh, the uh, the liberals poll very well. I mean, we saw the the Angus Reid Institute of all of all polling firms had the uh, liberals with a six point lead and the conservatives below thirty uh, percent. If they keep getting those awful poll numbers, the conservatives, and there seems to be no window for victory in a short term, uh, he could get a lot of uh, of uh, resistance, uh, and at some point he could just say, you know, I screw that, I'm I'm out. But he seems to have a lot of fight in him. I agree with you. Um, I, the, the answer here is I do not know. I could see both scenarios unfold, but uh, I'll do uh, as you did earlier, uh, just uh, for the, the, the sake of uh, competition here. I will say no. Next year, at this date, he will not be the conservative leader, although I'm not sure who that would be. I've okay. seen some very serious people suggest that Leslie Lewis should become the conservative leader. It's, which is surprising. I'm not saying that she's incompetent or anything, but she's a, a you know a, a, a unilingual social conservative. And so, if you want to hand uh, Justin Trudeau the next election on a, on a silver platter, that would be uh, the great recipe. Uh, but um, so I'll say I'll say false. It won't be the, the conservative leader. All right. And what does who is that? Is that Shiva or is that uh, Vishnu? This is Shiva, who's a very curious uh, because I haven't petted her in more than an hour, so. This is my Russian blue. She is the one I, uh, she's the reason I uh, went out of the pandemic uh, teaching online uh, with my sanity. Um, so That's hello, nice. Shiva. All right. Hi, Shiva. <laughs> okay. Um, so you did one for the conservatives. So I'll do one for the liberals. Maybe this one seems too easy. I don't know. But I'm going to put the best poll for the liberals in 2022. And I'm going to put the bar at 39.5. You come up with those great lines today. So will the Liberals have at least one serious poll at 40 or above, right? Well, there's always innovative research. 
the be- the very best poll, not the poll average, the best poll. Yeah, let's I'll do the best poll. Yeah, I'll say over. 39.5. There's going to be at least one innovative research poll that will have them at 40 at some point. Uh, it's it's not that high a bar. I mean, they've reached 40 in 2020. Um, okay. In 2021, I'll say. But, okay, uh, all right, then. Oh. The polling average. We're the one that you maintain, and you have to do it. You have to do it honestly. <laughs> I'll just manipulate one week. I'll manipulate to go over. Okay, and now uh, I'll put yes, the bar I'll at have. forty. At forty. Forty. Okay. Since we're um, at the, the decimal points with uh, with the averages. Right. Will the polling average for the liberals go beyond forty? Uh, that's a high bar. I will. I will go under. I will go under for that. Uh, unless there's a collapse somewhere. And magically, the, the, the pandemic disappears and the, they have a balanced budget. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Um, so I'll go under. What do you think? <laughs> I'll, I'll take the over just, just for fun. Uh, but like, you know, who knows what happens? Maybe something happens with the conservatives and their vote collapses. Maybe Trudeau decides he's going to resign and they name a new leader who gets a honeymoon. Who knows? Something That's like true. that. So I'll take the That's over. True. But, you know, if they get over 40.3 or something, that would be surprising. But I'll take the over just for fun. We would have an election then. I mean, they would. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> That's good. All right. Do you got, do you got another one? Um, okay. Uh, so since you said that the, uh, hang on here. No, okay. Uh, federal one. Um, number of by-elections, federal by-elections uh in uh, in 2022 and i'll put the line very low at uh, 1.5 did we, we didn't did we have any last year i don't think we did eh we had an ME paul or was it to 2020 that was in 2020 i think we yeah. didn't have one in all of 2021 um boy so that requires someone to resign probably within the next 6 months right for the election to actually be held in, in, in this coming year. Right. I think, uh, no, no, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll take the, I'll take the under, I can imagine that there'll be something happens where one person resigns and then a by-election is held, but, uh, you know, I, I don't see that anybody's going to be resigning to run for provincial leadership or anything like that. Um, it still seems very close to the, uh, election to have people resign. So I will take the under and I'm assuming it will be like one, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. It's uh, I, I also, I think there are a few words during minority parliaments because, you know, they want to keep their jobs and they don't know. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the over. I think Margarno could be gone. Uh, that's that's a, one. Yeah. And then you only need one other to, to leave. Uh, and so again, I, I, don't think I can predict the future here, but just for the sake of it, I'll, uh, I, the line is at 1.5. I'll say I'll say over a number of by-elections. So we'll see. And West, I think it's Westmount, um, Westmount NDG for for uh, yeah. That's a really good liberal seat. So that would be that would be an opportunity for the liberals to recruit somebody uh, of of quality. So we'll see what they do with it. It's a very does Mark Carney have a does he have a condo in Westmount? Maybe okay, a <laughs> he, he could. I'm sure he could afford one. <laughs> uh, okay, um, let me see another one. Uh, da, 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 da. How about this one? So now that the People's Party reached at least 2% of the vote, they will now have to report quarterly on their fundraising. So I'm putting the line of how many quarters will they raise a million dollars? And I'm putting the line at 0.5. Wait, one million in one quarter? Yeah. The Greens do it. The Bloc does it. It's just one province. Yeah, that's true. Now, if you took their past fundraising, their, their annual ones before the election, we don't have the ones from last year. Um, if you averaged it out, you kind of look at it. They never reached one million in a quarter, at least, a, you know, with those kinds of assumptions. Maybe they did it, but uh, we don't know. But yeah. Okay. Uh, the thing with the, with the, with the People's Party, and uh, this is, of course, a personal impression of mine, if you allow me, and I'm sure uh, your readers perhaps will pull their hair out uh, hearing me say this, but I do not think they're a real political party. I think they're more of a business, business model for Maxime Bernier. Uh, it, it was very public that he pays himself a six-figure salary 
with political donations uh, that he receives. It's entirely legal. He has the right to do this. But they had almost a million votes in this election and were not competitive in any seat. That tells you that how bad they are at strategy. They did not focus on a handful of seats like they should have. They, you know, so uh, so I'll say under. Uh, I, 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 you know, they're they're doing well, better in the polls, but I don't think they're a very serious movement, and I don't think they're well organized enough as as the Bloc or the Greens to pull a million dollars in three months. So I'll say. You said 0.5, I'll say the under. I said you don't do it. Uh, then I'll take the over, um, mostly just to be different, but also, you know, building off what you just said, if they if they are trying to be a going concern, um, that means that fundraising is probably going to be the thing that they're going to be paying attention to more than electoral strategy. So if that's the case, and we know how successful, um, you know, people on, on the right wing can be in terms of raising money. Uh, so... I can see it. I can see it happening that they manage it in one quarter, that they get over a million dollars. It will be really interesting to see how they're going to compare. You look at the Green Party, they're doing so poorly, uh, but they can still manage to get a million dollars raised in a quarter. Um, And, you know, now they're looking at getting rid of their national office because they can't afford it. Um, You know, maybe, (laughs) you know, uh, Maxim Bernier's YouTube channel that he has, he he can gum up the the money that for that. So I'll, I'll take the over on it. That's interesting. I, I mean, it could happen. You could be right. I, I'm not. Uh, it's not a slam dunk for me. But all right. All right. That's, did you? That's a, that's a very good one. Have you already done two? Or uh, yeah, I think I'm done here. Yeah. Okay. Um, here, wait. I'll just do this one for fun. Okay. Federal elections, zero point five. <laughs> um, you would need to have a. Uh, high definition video of a minister with uh, a briefcase full of cash to have an election this year uh unless something completely dramatic and i mean worse than SNC-Lavalin in 2019 for uh, for it to be an election i think nobody wants to go into an election uh and so unless there's a major scandal that's not happening and so i will say a very clear and definite under for me. Uh, and I'm not even sure for 2023. Uh, this could be a long minority, although I don't want to go further than this, but I will say under. Okay. I'll do also under. I feel like <laughs> I feel like the liberals would be tempting fate to do an early election again. And I don't see the opposition parties, uh, all three of them getting, getting behind it. And you see that this is an honest... Uh, for me, this is an honest prediction for me because I would love it to be an election. I mean, I'm doing well during elections. I was on TV all the time and I did, you know, so it was fun. But, and also the timing of it, when would we put it? I mean, you couldn't put it this spring during Ontario, uh, in the fall, during Quebec election, no way. So I, I say under, although, you know, if there was one, if there were one, I'd be happy. All right, so that'll be it for the political side. Now, I just did want to do one non-political over under question. Um, I'll go first. I don't know what you have, but I'll go first. So uh, as you know, and and I know you're a hockey fan too, there'll be the Winter Olympics. I am very curious about whether the NHLers will actually get to go. There does seem to be more and more indications that it'll be problematic. There's quarantine rules. The fact that there's delays just this week, the Calgary Flames had some games uh, delayed. But if the NHLers do go, Canada is in the same group as the Chinese national team. The Chinese <laughs> national team is ranked 32nd in the world, which is very, very low. And I don't think that Canada has ever played a team that is ranked that low. So my over-under is the margin of victory between Canada and China during the Winter Olympics. And I'm putting the bar at 9.5. Oh, that's ass. There's a mercy rule at some point that they're, I mean, goal differential will make a difference in terms of placement. So there's an incentive yeah. there to run up the numbers. Right. Uh, this is if NHL's, NHL orders go or regardless? Regardless. I think, well, fingers regardless. I mean, that's, you said 32nd in the world. Uh, I, I, hockey is a very niche sport in the world. I think there's like eight or nine nations that play it seriously. And if you, when you go to the 10 or 12, it really falls off a cliff, right? Um, so 32nd is really bad. You know, they could play shorthanded the whole game and still win. I mean, Connor McDavid could um, 
Well, he can, he, he can, he can, he can beat five players on the ice. We've seen that before. So yeah. And, and, and initial defenseman. So 9.5 is seems low, Eric. It's going to be far more than this. Uh, it's just that at some point you don't want to humiliate the host. Uh, so perhaps they'll just pass the puck around like in three on three and overtime when they, they, they go back into their zone. And um, so I, I have to say over, it's just, Uh, will the Chinese score a single goal, I, you know, against an initial goalie? No, of course not. Uh, so I'll, I'll go over. I'll okay. Go over. Uh, so I, the thing is, I think I'm going to end up taking the under, and I'll tell you why, and I know it's surprising. Um, if it, the NHLers do go, and the Chinese national team is the one that they've sent to tournaments in, in recent years, then I think that it could be a 30-0 game. I think that's possible. Yeah. But the Chinese have a lot of uh, uh, expats on their team, lots of former Canadians and, and Americans, and some of them have actually played in the NHL. Um, so if they do, if they are allowed to bring those players in, then maybe it won't be as embarrassing. Uh, a lot of those players play for the Chinese team that's based in the KHL. And right. if the NHLers don't go, then the Canadian team's not going to be a stellar team is going to be made out of European league players. So I'm going to take the under in assuming that maybe the NHLers don't go to the Olympics and the Chinese team is allowed to ice a team that's largely Canadian and American. And so the, the score is nine to nothing, but uh, I'll a, take the under just yeah. for fun. That's a very good point. I, uh, I'm going to get up at night. I, whatever, whenever that game is, uh, I know Nagano was what 3 AM. So I'm not sure what, what time they'll put the games on, but I'm going to have to get up to watch that game. Uh, yeah, just to see the contrast because I mean uh, the, the absolute best team in the NHL versus the absolute worst team in the NHL. The odds are two to one, so it's always you know it's always close. Uh, but against, my God, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's funny that the non-political one for me was also uh, about hockey. Big surprise here. Yeah, the number of uh, Montreal Canadiens playoff wins. No, I'm kidding. That's zero. <laughs> uh, Uh, true, false, or in why will the Maple Leafs go to the second round? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, they've been playing pretty well. They seem to be doing okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, they are the Leafs, but um, <laughs> as you can imagine, neither of us are Maple Leaf fans. Uh, anyway, um, I grew up watching the Senators. I also watched the Canadians. So those are my, the teams that I follow. But uh, you know what? I'm going to say that... Um, that they end up getting a good opponent in the first round. They win. There's a parade in Toronto and then they get swept in the second round. This is going to be my, my, my guess. Well, that would be progress uh, for Leafs fan listening to us right now. Uh, I seem to remember a seven game series last year. How did it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say the under, they probably will play Tampa Bay in the first round and Leafs will lose in Tampa Bay against Tampa Bay and uh, all of Canada, uh, Canada, Except Lee's fan will watch it because it's going to be so much fun. So there you go. Okay. And just, just to end it uh, more on hockey content, who, who is the team that has the, will get furthest in the playoffs in, in just a few months, I guess it is, from Canada? Huh. Well, Calgary is doing really well. Edmonton has the stars. Uh, Toronto has the tougher path. Uh, I mean, Toronto has to go through, uh, if Boston makes the playoff. They have to go through the, the, the Lightning and the, the Tampa Bay Light, uh, the, uh, the Florida Panthers that are doing really well this year. Um, uh, the Jets, no. Uh, I, I will go, uh, I want to go with the Oilers, but geez, the Oilers are such a, dis I mean, they're like the Leafs, Leafs West, right? Um, I'll just for fun, I'll say the Flames. But I, oh. I, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I stopped following hockey after when, when the Labs, uh, Habs lost their first 15 in game of the season you have you have to have faith uh i'll take the oilers just because they're fun to watch it'd be fun to see them and i'd like to root for them to uh to uh to go all the way so there you go all right so any big uh, any big predictions for 2022 do you think we're going to have a better year than we did this year uh, i think so uh the uh, the latest reports on the omicron variant show that the the booster the third vaccine uh, is really effective against it so this is good news of course there could be other variants and If we don't vaccinate the, the you know, poor third world countries, it's just going to go on and go on and go on. But uh, I, I, I'm, an, I'm an optimist. I think it's going to get better. Uh, and I hopefully it gets better for a lot of people. 
outside of this country because in Canada we've been very fortunate and I uh, I don't take this for granted. So um, so yeah, thank you, uh, Eric. Merci mon ami uh, to have me on today. Uh, really appreciate this. I hope we don't make fools of ourselves when we next year when we check on those predictions. Uh, but uh, this has been very fun and looking forward to uh, to keep reading your post on the red.ca. Thanks very much, Philippe. And you brought up a good thing. You know, we should feel we should be appreciative of, of you know, all the good fortune that we have. And uh, the holidays is a terrific time to spend some time being thankful for all that, spending time with your family and being, uh, you know, appreciative of the time that you have with them. So, Philippe, I hope you have lots of great time over the holidays. And that in 2022, your predictions are good, but not as good as the ones that I just made <laughs> on the podcast. Merci, Eric, my friend. Take care. All right. That was Philippe J. Fournier of 338Canada.com. And this will be the final episode of the RIT podcast for 2021. I just want to say thank you to all of you who have listened to the podcast over the last few months, to those of you who have sent in your questions every week, and especially to everyone who has subscribed to the RIT.ca which makes all of this possible, including the podcast. So I'll still have a few items on the website over the next few weeks, but the podcast will be back sometime in the new year. I know this has been a difficult week in the news when it comes to the ongoing pandemic, but I still hope that you will all have a great holiday season, get a chance to spend some time with your loved ones, rest, relax, and recharge for another year. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in 2022.